You're listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. To find out more about the Whole Vineyard Church, go to wholevineyard.co.uk. So this morning we're continuing our series looking at setting the table for Alpha. And on the 12th of October, which isn't long uh, away now, here at church is the launch night for the Alpha Course. The Alpha Course is an ABC guide to Christianity. It's a space where anyone and everyone can come and explore uh, the Christian faith. And we've booked a a live world-class comedian. We've got live music, delicious food, and a short talk, which is an introduction to Alpha. It's going to be amazing. We're encouraging all of you. You'll see flyers on your seats. And uh, when Josh launched this series, he gave us all a a prayer card for us to write three names of people we'd like to invite. These flyers are now there for you to go and invite the people that you prayed for. And uh, I'd love for us all to look at the screen. We're just going to watch a short video about Alpha. We're born curious. We were created to be. We ask, we question, we learn and grow. We've always been explorers, adventurers, dreamers and innovators. Asking what, how and why. And there's so much more to explore together. New stories, new adventures, new loves, new joy. We're born curious. Stay curious. Try Alpha. So we're really excited about uh, the Alpha course and and this series that we're on in the lead up to the 12th of October is all about envisioning, uh, training, encouraging us all to be prepared and invite our world, invite neighbours, work colleagues, friends, family to uh, the Alpha course. And next week we've got John Bodley, who's um, Ed mentioned, great communicator and and they're having a, I think uh, there's a marathon happening in Nottingham, so he's got a week off. And it's so wonderful that we'll get to pray for him because the following week he'll be uh, commissioned as the senior pastor of the Trent Vineyard. For those of you who are new to the Vineyard movement, uh, we're about, um, oh, how many? Two and a half, three thousand churches and a hundred nations. And the, the Trent Vineyard is considered kind of like the mothership. Uh, okay, and so it's about two and a half thousand people in Nottingham call Trent Vineyard their home. And so he's going to be the senior pastor. So I'm really honored that we're going to get to pray for him the week before he's commissioned into such a significant role in that church and indeed uh, the life of the Vineyard uh, movement. And so he's going to be sharing about the power of invitation, the power of invitation. But today I want to talk about the power of risk the power of risk. And there's kind of two layers, two levels to this uh, talk today. First of all, on a basic level, it's encouraging us to be risk takers when it comes to inviting people to the Alpha course. But beyond that, I want to envision us and encourage us and equip us to be risk takers in life full stop. And so as you're listening to this, I want you to think about Alpha, but I also want you to think about your own life. And think about how can I step into a more of a risk-filled life. I think one of the symptoms of coming through the pandemic that we all have is that people have become, I've noticed, more risk-averse rather than taking risks. Uh, Most of the people I engage with in the last two, three years, they are more likely to take a step back rather than to take a step forward 
into all the things that God has for them, to release the potential that God has placed in them. And I met many well-intentioned Christians who will use wisdom, in inverted commas, really as a covering for being risk-averse. Is that rather than stepping into risk, is actually we'll say, oh no, I'm not quite sure that's a wise thing to do. And I think God is encouraging us all in this season, in this moment, to step into a life of adventure and a life of kingdom risk. And let me give you today what I feel is a really good definition of, of risk. This is how I would put it. It's an action that holds a chance of danger, loss, or failure. Risk is an action that holds a chance of danger, loss, or failure. And so in all of us, every single one of us this morning, there are prayers, there are dreams, there are longings, there are desires, there are plans and hopes and wants. And we can see ourselves in our mind's eye doing all sorts of wonderful things. And the majority of the time, what stops those things becoming a reality is whether we take a risk on those things or not take a risk. And most of us, if we're really honest this morning, is that we won't step out into risk because of the associated fear that comes with that risk. That if I step out and do this very thing that I feel that I want to do, then what will happen at the other side of it? I've got a little diagram here. Uh, We've got here desire, and then on the other side of desire is adventure. It's activating on that desire. And the bridge, if you like, the very stepping stone, the thing in the middle is risk, is risk. And so if we want to step into a life of adventure, The reality is, is we're all in the same boat. All of us at some point are going to have to put it on the line and we're going to have to risk. And so on a really basic level this morning, all of us here, I'm sure, as we've been on this journey this year looking at mission in the Gospels, going on mission with Jesus, partnering with him to change the world, is that all of us have a heart, I'm sure, to reach our world for Christ. All of us would love to see this room, this auditorium filled with guests, at the Alpha Course. All of us have people in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, friends, family, who the deepest desire of our hearts, our minds, our prayers, is that they will get to know Jesus Christ like we have. And so this is a desire, this is a reality, and the next step, the next step is to take a risk and invite and to send a WhatsApp, to pick up the phone, to invite around for dinner, to go out for a coffee and say, look, hey, would you like to come to this course with me? Would you like to come and have a free meal for me? This is something that's really important to me in my life. This has changed my life. I'd love for you to come and hear more about it. And so every single one of us, can I just say this morning, is in the same boat. Every single one of us has the same apprehension. We have the same fears. We have the same nervousness. And and some of those fears are uh, abstract, they're anticipatory. Often they're not rooted in reality. They're kind of a projection of what might happen. We have thoughts of, of failure. We have thoughts of rejection. What will they say? The idea of losing maybe a friendship or a relationship. And and all of us here, 
are in the same boat. All of us will have those same feelings, those same emotions. And so we've got a choice. We either bow down to those feelings and those emotions, or we decide and choose to take a risk. And that is all that's in the difference. All that's in the difference. All of us in the same boat, all of us feel the same things. At varying levels, we feel a sense of angst about doing this. And yet I found in my own life, and I know speaking to many people over the years, is that those who decide to risk and take the step into risk are those whose thoughts go like this. Well, what if it works? Just what if? What if they say yes? What if they eventually decide to follow Jesus and their entire life and eternal destination is changed forever? What if they come to Alpha? What if they become Christians? What if God has asked me and only me to do this? What if I'm the only one who will ever ask that question and give that invitation? What if something exciting actually happens? <laughs> and with a narrative and the scripts over our lives of the last few years where fear has been peddled and we're risk averse, some of those subtle narratives don't ever come to the surface. But I'm praying that the Holy Spirit reaches down deep into our hearts and our souls today and pulls that into our mind, into our emotions. What if? What if actually something amazing comes at the other side of me stepping out into risk? And so if you think about when a novelist, an author, uh, sits down to write a narrative, uh, this is the question that they will always ask, what, what if? And that, you know, if the story's beginning to drag, they may turn the page over with a what if question. J.R. Tolkien once asked the question, what if there existed a place called Middle Earth? And what if Middle Earth were under threat? Lord of the Rings, for those of you who don't know. What if? Those two words change everything. They actually propel us out of anxiety and fear into a place of risk. My gut feeling is that the Holy Spirit is inviting the church to take that do not disturb sign off us. And he's calling us all, every single one of us, into a greater place of risk and adventure. I want to read to you a few verses from Hebrews 11, because when I read this, I think this is actually what the risk-filled, adventurous kingdom Christian life is supposed to look like. Let me read it to you. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, about David, Samuel, the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle, routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released, so that they may gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, chains, imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. 
They wandered in deserts, mountains, living in caves, and in holes in the ground. Now, I'm not suggesting we all live in holes in the ground. Don't walk out of here thinking I'm saying that's the Christian life. But I read things like that and I think, wow. Is the Holy Spirit speaking to anyone this morning? Think, do you know what? Maybe I'm a little too reserved. Maybe there's a next step along for me. Maybe there's something that lays dormant right now in my life and God is inviting me, speaking to me about stepping into a life of adventure and risk like we see in the Bible. This is the kind of kingdom adventures that Jesus has for all of us. And you know, it's so easy, isn't it, to romanticize what we read in the Bible. We read scriptures like that, we look through the book of Acts, the early church, and we read things about, wow, that's the early church, wow, look what God does, and we kind of romanticize it and we think, that's not me, and that's not for me. I want to encourage you this morning to look in between the chapters and the verses, the things that we don't see. And actually, in between the chapters and the verses in the Bible, are ordinary people like you and me who simply did one thing, they took a risk. Preceding those verses in Hebrews is a great list of um, the hall of fame of those who stepped out in faith. Do you know what? None of those people were perfect. They had dysfunctional families. They messed up big time. They had a lot of sin in their life. And yet, do you know what they did? They had courage. Even when things weren't going exactly what they thought it'd be like, they just stepped out and took a risk. And that simple choice meant that all these adventures were on the other side of that. You know, personally speaking, you need to know that every day as a follower of Christ, as a pastor of this church, is that I'm making choices of risk. Like every day, if I do this, it could mean failure, and it's more public kind of failure. It could mean rejection. It could mean loss. And some of the hardest decisions I've ever had to make in my life and concerning the church and will be for the rest of my days will be from a place of risk. For those of you who don't know, we are excited to be um, spearheading and inviting other churches to an event called City Carols in December. And I think to myself, I, I, and I wanted to say this because I, I wanted to reflect on my journey of that, is that I was just wandering in town. I think I was going to Primark with my kids. It's an ordinary day, living in between the chapters and verses. And I looked at the, it's not called the bonus arena now, is it? It's called something else. Yeah, something like that. And um, I thought, what if, those two words, what if, we could fill that place with Christians and more importantly, with people who don't know Jesus. And immediately, when you think that, you get all the anxieties, all the possibilities. Well, what if yes, but what if no? What if nobody wants to get on board with this? What if nobody comes? What if nobody's interested? What if we spend thousands of pounds and it's a waste of money? What if, what if, what if, what if? But God took that seed of a dream that I believe he placed in me, and I began to talk to some people, and doors began to open, favor came on it. And just again, I reiterate this, to see the 250 Christians from other churches praying 
for that event. And I, I, I was just in awe. And I was talking to the other pastors saying, look what God is doing among us. In this city, we're contending for revival. We're contending for an awakening. And it's not just us. It's with other churches in partnership. This is stuff that I've never seen in the history of our city while I've been here. Ever. And we're seeing God bring blessing upon unity in an extraordinary way. And we're all on the same path. It's about people who don't know Jesus. We're on a mission. And that's what unites us. We lay aside some of our differences for the sake of mission. And that's something we can pray for. And so I think to myself, and we went for City Hall, and do you know um, the other arena wanted to have us. They were desperate to have us. And I said, 2024 is when you'll have us. But we're going to have a trial run in the city hall. And already hundreds of people are filling that place up. I encourage you to get your tickets and to invite people along to that on December the 10th. But everything that we have in terms of vision starts with a dream, with a seed of thought, and then we get all the same fears. I think about, and I'm going to be sharing about this in, in October, about some of our plans to uh, double our morning services. So we have two services, or three services during the day. And of course, I'm filled with what if, what if things change, what if people don't like it, what if people get grouchy, what if I get a load of emails, just the usual stuff. But what if, what if one new person from our city comes to Christ because we made room for them? And you know what? Things like that propel me into a place of risk. Because we want to leave the 99 for the sake of the one. We want to make room for people who are not here yet. And you know what? That must be our kingdom driver and motive in our hearts. Not our comfort. Not, well, it feels nice. I like seeing the same people. And I like the chair that I sit in. Who cares? Who cares actually when people's eternity is at stake? We've got to be a people of risk and adventure. In August, Joni and I had the privilege of going speaking at a conference for a week on the south coast, East Sussex. And it was a, a conference. I spoke seven times. Joni led worship. We led some stuff together as well. And there were people from all sorts of different denominations, different vineyard churches, independent churches, Anglican, Baptist, you name it. And I had these talks that I'd prepared and planned. But how many of you know when you come to it, the Holy Spirit changes and messes things up? So inconvenient. I've got a really good message here. I spent hours on. And again, that is always the place of risk. Let me give you two really tiny little stories because I also think these are indicators of what I'd love our church to become more like and step into. The reality is the bigger that we get, the more we've got to focus on being community and family so that people aren't missed out. That people feel like this is their home, even though there's lots of people here, that they feel that this is home. So a couple of stories. One was... I was just finishing up my talk and I saw a couple who I'd not seen all week before and I felt like the Lord gave me a word from Jeremiah 1 about calling them back to ministry and I said to them, I'm not sure if you're church pastors, I think you are. 
I've never seen you before, but I believe God is saying he wants to call you back to the why. Why did you start this all these years ago? So anyway, later on we had loads of baptisms in the lake there and I, I, they came over to me and said, we just want to say how that impacted us. And I said, tell me a story. He said, well, we're both Baptist ministers. And life is so tough right now, we've not even been able to get to any of the meetings. It's too depressing. And the Holy Spirit said to us that morning, you must go to the meeting this morning. I want to speak to you. And I was just like, we're just weeping together, just how God, so it's just amazing. Because when you, when you think about risk, you don't know what's going to happen to the other side of risk. It's a step of faith. It's like, uh, this can make me look really daft, but I'm just going to go for it. And then they began to tell us about their journey the last 10 years of pastoral ministry and it's been hell on earth. I've never met a couple have it so tough. Most recently they'd been at a church, a church members meeting in the Baptist church and people stood up in the middle of meetings and shouted at them and told them to get out of the church. And so to receive encouragement that God sees all that and the call of God remains despite the problems and the persecution I want us to be a church like that. You don't know that the other side of an encouraging word or prophecy, you're having tea or coffee today and you go to someone and say, look, I just felt like God wanted to say this to you. I might be wrong. You don't know what miracle that is producing for that person. The most amazing thing that moved me uh, the most was uh, one of the evenings I wasn't speaking and I was sat there and I was just been worshiping, and for about an hour, I'd, I'd had this one verse on my heart, so much so that I was going to share it publicly, but I didn't. I just kept it to myself. And at the end of the meeting, a guy came up to me, and he was crying, and he was trembling. And he said to me, I feel like I've got a word for you. And the word that I have for you is, is that you think this is for someone else, but it's actually for you. And he gave me the exact verse that I'd been meditating on for an hour that I thought was for everyone else, but it was actually for me. What was profound about that, and he didn't know this, I'd done a seminar on prophecy earlier that day, and I did that thing where I got everybody to uh, think of a word for somebody else, but actually, the word was for those people, and God had placed the same trick on me, <laughs> which is just his sense of humor. Host Spirit began to minister to me in areas that were extremely hidden. Nobody else could have known about, but there was something deep down that he began to minister through that verse. But what blew my mind even more is that I found out later on that this guy was a consultant doctor, and only two years previously he'd completely lost his faith, had walked away from Jesus. And he'd be dragged back and he'd come back to this conference. And that's why he was crying and trembling because he was almost afraid. But he really felt compelled to do this. And I said, you know what? Beyond what happened to me, this was all about you. What God did to you in that moment. 
how that you'd walked away from the Lord, you didn't think you could ever hear from the Lord, you didn't think you'd ever be worthy enough, and yet Jesus gave you a verse that was so impactful. And so it messed us both up. And this is what it looks like in the body of Christ. That's what it looks like in community. So never ever be fearful of stepping out. Take a risk because at the other side of that risk is somebody else's miracle. I just want to read a few verses from Matthew 14. If you could just turn there. Matthew 14, 22 to 32. I just want to glean a couple of points out of there and then I'm going to pray. This is the story of Peter walking on water. It's one of the great stories of risk in the Gospels. Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat, go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night he was there alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid began to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. Here we have a stunning story of risk. And firstly, I'm struck by verse 28, where it says this, Lord, if it is you. Lord, if it is you, Jesus says, come. And then he begins to walk on water. You know, church, we can get out of the boat for many, many things. But actually, there are many boats that we shouldn't be getting out of. I don't want you leaving here today saying, look, John said we need to be a people of risk, so I'm just going to go and do it. And we do some presumptuous thing. We do something that's daft. We walk out on a marriage because we're taking a risk. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying today. In fact, the greater risk is sometimes to stay in the boat. So this isn't a venture for adventure's sake. This is Jesus. If you are saying this, then I'm going to latch onto that and I'm going to follow you. Because Jesus says, come, that's a risk that's worth paying the price of. The reality is, is that in the church there are many Christian atheists, many people who love to hear about things we'd like to do and like the idea of doing something, but actually we are merely listeners and hearers of the word, not doers of the word. And therefore our faith is inoperative. Those works, without works, faith is dead. It's meaningless. And do you know there are dead works, there are graceless works, but then there are grace-filled works. And the grace-filled works that Jesus has for us are the things where he says, come, come. 
we'll be able to walk on water if it's Jesus who is saying, come. And so I want to encourage you to get out of the boat, but to follow only those things that Jesus is asking us to do. I know for sure, because the Bible is really clear, that Jesus' heart is for the broken, for the marginalized, for the lost in our city. And so I'm telling you right now that he will bless any of our grace-filled works to invite our world to an alpha course. He will bless that. It says in Philemon, it's only one, well, it hasn't got any chapters because it's one chapter. Verse six, as I am active in sharing my faith, I become aware of every good thing that I have in Christ. So as we share the good news of the gospel and we see it going from a method to reality, actually it does something to our formation as disciples. We become awakened. And do you know, what's on the other side of me stepping out on the boat is fulfillment, is being truly satisfied, is coming alive, and miracles only happen when we take the risk and get out of the boat. But I want to encourage you that it has to be those things where Jesus is saying, come. Now, why did Peter get out of the boat and others didn't? Verse 25, they were terrified. They were terrified. It will always, always, always be fear that stops us taking risks. We prefer to stay in the boat because we are fearful, fearful of being humiliated, fearful of what if I say the wrong thing, what if I'm rejected, isolated, ostracized, what if, what if, and that's normal and all of us here have our own personal subjective boats that we're dealing with. The challenge at work may be a boat of conformity. It may be a boat of comfort. It may be a boat of control. It may be a boat of conflict. All of us have our own boats, comfort zones. And the Holy Spirit is speaking. He said, this boat that you are in, I'm asking you to climb out and to come to me. To not focus on the circumstance, not focus on the sea, not focus on what if that happens or that happens, but to focus on the voice of Jesus and his word. The main reason that we will always push through fear and take a risk and get out of the boat is that we know something is better on the other side. Just let's take it personally. We'd prefer to stay in that boat of addiction rather than the potential freedom of stepping out of that addiction. Most people are trapped in addiction. The reality is, is they've not found something within them that they feel is greater than the thing that they're trapped by. The irony is as well is that when we're stuck in the boat, we just feel equal anxiety and fear. Those comfort zones look like I'm free, but actually they're not. So I want to encourage you to step out. Maybe it's you're trapped in an unhealthy dating relationship and you're fearful of being single or not finding someone better. And so we stay in the boat. Maybe it's I won't go for that promotion or that job because of the fear of not getting it. It's fear 
that grabs us and is fear that actually makes our lives appear and seem small. But if you want to live a life which is beyond, if you want to live a life that's large and big and generous and wide, then God will invite us all to get out of our boats. Can I say something this morning I felt led to say to the parents here today? And so I'll put this in parenthesis, and that is this. Do not project, and I'll say ah, because I struggle with this, our own fears and risk aversion on our children. It's really easy as parents to do that. The things that we fear and the comfort zones that we have and the risks that we don't take. And again, let me say this, is that we put it under the godly um, motive of wisdom because we're there to protect our children and we are there to protect our children. But don't ever protect your children to the point where they don't live a life of adventure for Jesus. And that means they'll make choices you don't agree with. That means they'll make choices that you feel uncomfortable with, that challenges your own risk aversion. But never use protection of our children to a point where we don't let them be released into their full God-given potential. Because the reality is whatever we say comes out of our mouth, whatever we model, whatever we stress about, whatever we say to our spouse, and they're always listening in, they will emulate and become. We're all products of our upbringing. The good stuff and the broken stuff. Discipleship is about untangling some of that stuff, but the reality is Joni and I are very careful about how we communicate to one another in front of our children. If we're stressed about anything, say it's finances or whatever, that will project onto our children, and that is something they should never have to carry. Our children should always be protected, but they should always be encouraged to live their dream, live the life of potential, to risk I mean, back in the day, my parents used to say to me, we had no mobile phones, they'd say, we'll see you when it's dark. Do you remember those days? I mean, imagine saying that today, we'll see you when, when it's dark, to a five-year-old. <laughs> my parents wouldn't know where I was, they wouldn't know which neighbor I was having tea with, and you have to ring them on the landline about nine o'clock, and we're so-and-so, don't worry. And of course, we live in a different day and age in many respects, different fears, we know more. Knowledge brings responsibility. But guys, come on. Let's not put our stuff on our kids. Let them live a life of adventure. God has not made you born again, filled you with his spirit, marked you with power and boldness, cleansed you from sin and fear by his blood so that we can live a boring, mundane, unadventurous life. He hasn't done that. But the difference will be in the risk. Let me close with this. Finally, I love this. When he got out of the boat, was walking on the water, he saw the wind, verse 30, and he began to sink again. And the Lord saved him. Jesus reached out his hand to him. The reality is, is that when we step out in risk, we will fail again and again and again. But Jesus is not as bothered about failure as much as we are. 
we put far too much emphasis on getting things wrong than even Jesus does. Jesus knows even when we step out and risk, things are going to go often wrong. We will struggle again. But you know what? It's only when we step out do we again experience renewed intimacy with Jesus. Notice that Jesus put out his hand, rescued him. The intimacy with him from a place of risk. It's only in the place of being out of our comfort zone, adventure, risk, that we really see the impossible God stepping into our situation. And it's like the paradoxes of the Christian faith. And I've noticed this when I risk time and time again, is that um, I only ever realize the intimacy and the power of God when I'm in my greatest times of doubt. Sometimes your greatest transformations are accompanied by your greatest meltdowns. Have you ever come across that? That sometimes things get worse before they ever get better. That the greater the adventure, the more intimate with Jesus we become. That our greatest strengths actually come from our greatest weaknesses. These are the paradoxes of kingdom living. It's actually only when we step out of our comfort zone into a place of risk do we see this in play and Jesus flips it all around and actually when we're sinking in the water, actually Jesus gets the glory, not us. So even when we step out of the boat into risk, we'll never ever get the glory. It'll be Jesus who rescues us time and time and time again. Steve Legg, who um, is the comedian coming for Alpha, earlier this year he was diagnosed with uh, terminal cancer and given five months to live. So obviously we've had to talk to him and say, you know, the reality is he actually may not be here on the 12th of October. But this is a a quote from an article that he just wrote, which is going viral, and he says this, I've realized what matters and what doesn't. Maybe we should live all our lives as if we only had five months to live. Life is a daring adventure, so make the most of it. Crack on with the project you've always wanted to do, the places you've dreamed of going, the book you've wanted to write, and above all, make sure the people you love know it. What an amazing example of someone. Thank you for listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. We would love to connect with you and welcome you home to church. To find out more, go to wholevineyard.co.uk forward slash connect. And to stay up to date with all that is going on in the life of our church, go to wholevineyard.co.uk forward slash church news and sign up for our weekly mailing. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you soon.